1: Two minutes left in the first quarter. Calgary 3, Winnipeg nothing. NHL tonight. The Lightning beat the Golden Knights 3-2. Tampa Bay 7-1-1 to start the season. The Golden Knights 4-5-1. Late second period. Detroit up 2-1 on Winnipeg. Sharks and Hurricanes tied 3-3. Also in the middle frame. Senators and Avalanche about to get going. No score, Game 3 of the World Series. They're in the bottom of the third in L.A. Raptors up 85-71 on the Mavericks halfway through the third quarter. A lot of scoring in that game. Kawhi Leonard has 17, uh, and Lowry has 18 for the Raptors, who already have five players in double digits tonight. Oil Kings taking on Kootenai. That's just getting underway in Cranbrook. And the Golden Bears hockey team just getting underway at Claire Drake Arena against UBC. They play again at seven tomorrow. Both teams coming in with records of four and two. My name is Reed Wilkins. Thank you so much for tuning in. We have the Oilers and Predators tomorrow, 11:30 faceoff show. The game will begin at one. Miko Koskinen expected to make his first start in net as a member of the Edmonton Oilers. He uh, did not inspire a lot of confidence in the preseason. We'll see if he can do it in the regular season. And then the Oilers back at it against the Chicago Blackhawks on Sunday. Uh, I angered many of you. Well, I often anger many of you. But I angered many of you with my Grey Cup prediction before the season. When I called for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders to defeat the Hamilton Tiger Cats on the brick field at Commonwealth Stadium. That game going to be played a month from now. I have no reason to change that prediction. Given what I've seen lately, Jamie Nye covers the Riders for CJME Radio in Regina. Jamie, welcome back to the show. How are you doing, buddy?
2: I'm fantastic. Reed, we live in a world where tonight Eskimo fans are cheering for Calgary and Rider fans are cheering for Winnipeg. So,
1: well, you know what? I I I didn't even bring up that storyline. Saskatchewan still has a shot. Uh, a, a, not a big shot, but a shot. At finishing first, so Calgary would have to lose two games, and Saskatchewan would have to win their remaining games. So, uh, yeah, tougher tougher for the Riders here. It's you know it's kind of fifty fifty for the Eskimos. A little uh, not the odds, not that good for the Rough Riders. Who, I mean, what a season! I mean, I'm sticking with them to win the Grey Cup. I, I I'm going to have to check. I don't know if uh, if CFL stats would have this, or I'm just going to have to look back through every season. The Riders could could come off a regular season shutout and win the Grey Cup. That's basically what I'm saying will happen, Jamie.
2: Well, uh, there was a lot of confidence dropped after that 31-0. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the bandwagon, there's broken ankles, uh, ran out of crutches in Saskatchewan, and then they're all trying to catch up now after a big win over the Calgary Stampeders. But uh, I picked the Edmonton Eskimos in my preseason pick, Uh, to win the uh, Grey Cup, and then at the mid-season poll, I also write for CFL.ca, and they asked uh, the media who you'd pick to win, and then I switched it over to the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, because I I just felt that Zach Calero's coming back. Uh, He hasn't been a world-beater. It's not like he's throwing like Mike Riley does or anything like that, but he's not throwing the ball to the other team like Brandon Bridge was and fumbling and bumbling around, and I thought with that defense, And just a little better quarterbacking this team could go a long way and hey they they beat the bc lions on saturday and they host a playoff game i don't see anybody coming into mosaic stadium and winning a playoff game and then hey if a 50 50 coin flip against the calgary stampeders unless they of course get past the calgary stampeders in the standings they just went to calgary and beat them so Sorry to green and gold fans who might be seeing a lot of green and white in Edmonton in November.
1: Well, I think it's going to happen. I mean, I, I saw Chris Jones do it here. Uh, now, you know, again, I was just talking about Ed Hervey before the break. Yeah, you know, Ed Hervey had a big impact on that team too. And I also said, and I, I, I'm not trying to troll you, I also think Ed had an impact on maybe preventing Jones from fudging with the roster and having 90 guys in camp. Uh, I think Ed might have kind of made sure that 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 didn't happen, but I, I don't want to go back and dump on Jones for things that happened a couple of years ago. But Jones's teams tend to get better as the season goes on. The opposite has happened for the Eskimos this year, and he, he they they find ways to make plays on defense and on special teams. I mean, what, I know it's a, a larger gap now, but what was it about a month ago? The the Riders had 15 offensive touchdowns and 11 combined on defense and special teams. That's amazing.
2: Yeah, and, and that, that's what Chris Jones loves. He loves that aggressive defense and his mindset. And Stephen McAdoo, the offensive coordinator, look at the numbers for Mike Riley under Stephen McAdoo. He wasn't late in the world on fire. Uh, there was uh, pass uh, or yards per attempt and all that. It was a very safe offense in Edmonton. And that's what Chris Jones likes. Keep it safe. Don't screw it up for the defense. And, and he believes he can build a defense that will keep the other team off the scoreboard and the, your offense needs 21 points, and you should be able to win a game. because And the, re, the recipe has worked this season for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. That is a ball-hawking, play-making defense, and is one that when we're going through the voting right now, Reed, there's not one offensive player who is making the top three on anybody's list for MLP for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. It's, they're just not there. They're all on defense. And I think uh, Chris Jones has a big smile on his face <laughs> knowing that fact. And I, I, Chris Jones, I think he uses the first half of the season as training camp to figure out, okay, who are the guys I can trust down the last half of the season? Because he's mixing and matching and mixing and matching, and then Labor Day comes, and boom, it is almost a set roster week after week following that point. And he's, well, I think he's found a, a team that can definitely contend uh, for a great cup.
1: Yeah, he's he's a unique guy. Um you know, he seems to have have figured out some things about the CFL, and I'm not saying other coaches haven't done done well, but but his formula is an interesting one. If you looked at it on paper, you probably said it it wouldn't work, and and like you said, because of some of the conservative nature of his offense, but it's worked in two different organizations now. I, I got I got a couple of friends that that are big Riders fans, and I've watched some games with them this year where they've been extremely frustrated. And one guy says the riders don't have an offensive playbook; they have a pamphlet or maybe a sheet. Uh, like is is that the is that? I mean, you cover the team and, and you talk to fans all the time. Is that your biggest knock and, and some biggest biggest concern that if they need to turn it loose, they won't be able to? Or, or what do you say to that?
2: That that's the biggest one, and we've talked about it the entire season. When push comes to shove, and this defense gives up thirty points. Will the offense be able to match? Will they be able to go, you know, toe-to-toe? Uh, and we were talking all season when it's Bo Levi Mitchell or Mike Riley in the playoffs. Can it Well, so much for Mike Riley? I don't know if that's going to happen, but you never know. Winnipeg loses tonight. Sets up a heck of a match next weekend, doesn't it? So uh, can they go toe-to-toe with those offenses? But those offenses now have dwindled, and you almost think, oh, maybe you only have to win a game by, with 25 points come playoff time. And uh, that, but the offense is, uh, uh, is, it, uh, uh, is it, I don't even know if it's a pamphlet. That might be too extra, <laughs> extravagant of, a, of a, a reference there for this offensive playbook. It's pretty dull. And, but that Caleros just yes, has a lot more confidence. He can throw it a lot deeper. Uh, they had Brandon Bridge locked up and chained that he couldn't throw it beyond 10 yards. The numbers are, hilarious to see the difference (laughs) he was attempting like two or three balls past 10 yards in a game where Caleros is doing that in a quarter Uh, and so uh, we we look at Caleros going okay he's given a lot more leeway from Stephen McAdoo because he's a veteran and he's been there done that so it's a a little bit more exciting of an offense but I don't know if many people are going to really get too revved up about what they're going to see from Saskatchewan offensively come
1: playoff time. Well, I, I mean, I, I see some stuff similar to to what uh, the, the plays they called with the Eskimos. They they do just enough. They move the quarterback around just enough. They do things quick. And then every 20th play, they make some bizarro call. Right? The t- like you remember that drive against Ottawa where they ran it for the first eight plays of the drive, and then they had a third yeah. and two, and they threw a 50-yard pass? And it's like, what? <laughs>
2: <laughs> and it's, and, but sometimes it just seems like coaches they think they—they they do. They all believe well, I'm the smartest guy in the room, right? Uh, they wouldn't be a very good coach if they didn't think they could outsmart everybody. But there's a obvious play call, and you're thinking, "Well, just run it." Ah, no, I'll just throw it 50 yards downfield. Uh, <laughs> okay, if it—but it's live. It's you know, live by the sword, die by the sword. Sometimes with Chris Jones. Uh, he, he likes being aggressive to a point, as, except for the offense. Uh, the offense he doesn't show that aggressive nature, uh, but with his defense, he will definitely uh, mix and match. Mike Adam, the safety, uh, told uh, our or the our beat reporter at the station, that he comes to work every day on Monday, the install day, and goes, where the heck does he come up with this stuff? like he looks around the room. Is anybody else watching this what he's drawing on the board right now? Okay, we're do- okay, we're doing this. Right on. So, uh, even Chris Jones surprises his players almost every week on the next install for this defense.
1: Uh 3 nothing Calgary leading the Bombers 3 minutes into the second quarter, but the Bombers are in the red zone so we'll keep an eye on that. Hey, we got a texture in. Uh, what's going on with Charleston Hughes?
2: Uh, Charleston Hughes will play this week after being charged with the impaired driving and uh, not taking a breathalyzer. So he was taken off the roster uh, last week. He was fined the maximum amount allowable by the team, Uh, but uh, Chris Jones said that they're not going to turn their back on a guy, Uh, and uh, he's going through some things. So they're just, now it's over to the courts. He appears in court October the 31st. Of next week, and maybe we'll know more. Maybe there'll be a plea. Maybe they'll just push it into December, like the Canadian court system usually does with these things. Uh, so, but Charleston Hughes looks like he is good to play this weekend before his court case during their bye week.
1: Okay, Well, will keep an eye on uh, that as well. My, uh, I, I think Ottawa is a really good team, Jamie, and William Powell to me might be the mop. Uh, it's going to be an interesting th- how that gets voted. You wouldn't uh,
2: vote for the kicker?
1: <laughs> Special teams player of the year? I would give it to Lewis Ward. I think that's his name. I didn't learn his name until a couple on, man. weeks ago.
2: Forty-five straight field goals. You can't be that's MOP. The okay,
1: there, there. Well, I'll put that on the text line. Six thirty, six thirty. Would you vote for a kicker for most outstanding player in the Canadian Football League? <laughs> uh, uh, b- I now I forgot what I was saying. Oh yeah, Powell's been Powell's been awesome. I mean, Andrew Harris has been awesome for Winnipeg. Maybe he's the West nominee. Maybe it's Bo Levi. Um, but I'm, I'm just out of stubbornness going to pick Hamilton. And I think in a one game showdown, Hamilton Ottawa, even if it's in Ottawa, uh, Hamilton's still pretty dangerous. I mean, that's kind of a coin flip game to me too, because both those teams have been so wildly up and down this year. Kind of like kind of like the Eskimos, quite frankly. But but they're in the easier division.
2: I would absolutely agree with your Hamilton pick if Brandon Banks was still on that roster.
1: Well, yeah, fair point. I
2: I think without Brandon Banks, he has done so much for Jeremiah Masoli this season. He can take, well, you saw it last week, take a hit screen, 40 yards for a touchdown. He is an unbelievable athlete. I think he's matured uh, over the last couple of years, and without him, I just don't see where they're Maybe Terrell Sinkfield can fill in, but I think Brandon Branks was so good. Uh, that really hurts, and I think uh, I think it'll be the Ottawa Red-Blacks against Blank, uh, I guess the Saskatchewan Roughriders, uh, in, in the Grey Cup in Edmonton.
1: Final question for you. It's an Oilers one. I put this out there uh, earlier to the fans. Is Ryan Nugent Hopkins the most trustworthy player on the Oilers?
2: <laughs> Absolutely. Why? Why wouldn't he be? I just think, wow, talk about maturity. There's the. Uh, uh, I, I look at uh, Ryan Nugent Hopkins as. Some, he has been able to check his ego. Um, I, I know I don't maybe don't watch as much as everybody. but he checks it, he checked his ego. He's not asked to be the huge big offensive guy, and that two, I hate the cliche two hundred foot of the, whatever. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I the, know. But there it is. Two hundred foot game. He plays. I've he, he, watched him a little bit this season. Going, man, he is. A, he's a different player, but he's a player that I think is needed in Edmonton because, well, Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl can do the things offensively that need to get done.
1: Jamie, it's always a pleasure to have you on the show. I have a feeling we are going to be seeing each other during Great Cup Week, as I stick with my rider's prediction, buddy. Uh, Winnipeg got a field oh, goal, three-three. Anyway. Three. I'm
2: coming Oh, you're anyway coming anyway. anyway. Oh, perfect. And yeah, I'm coming anyway, and uh, I'm. I'm uh, uh, we got to do dinner, that is for sure, or uh, or other light base.
1: Yes, I, I'd be happy with that. Thanks for making time for me, man, especially on a Friday. Appreciate it.
2: All
1: right, thanks, Reed. Take care. That is Jamie and I checking in. Used to work right here at 6.30, Chad, now with CJME Radio in Regina. And you heard his preseason great cup pick was the Eskimos' midseason. He uh, he switched to the Riders. Uh, I have been uh, picking Riders all season long.
0: This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Edmonton Sports Leader
1: 6.30, Chad. Alright, so Lewis Ward for the Red Blacks, pardon me, Red Blacks, has made 45 consecutive field goals, which means he'll win Special Teams Player of the Year in the CFL. They they have their own award, so I wouldn't vote for him for MOP, though uh, people on the text line are saying they would, uh, most people are saying they would vote for a kicker for MOP. Obviously in this particular situation, it's Lewis Ward. It has happened. In the strike-shortened 1982 NFL season, so they only played nine games, Mark Mosley, playing for Washington, made 20 of 21 field goals. At the time, it was a record 95.2%. He was responsible for 76 points, only place kicker ever to win NFL MVP, and then he also helped Washington win the Super Bowl 27-17 over Miami. So it has happened in an NFL season where they only played nine games, he got uh, MVP for making 20 of 21 field goals. Lewis Ward has made 45 in a a row. He should be a cinch to win special teams player of the year. But that's why they created that award. So the exciting kick returners and kickers who have incredible seasons or punters who always put it out of bounds right on the one can get an award. But I would; it would take a pretty awesome season by a special teams player for me personally to vote for him for most outstanding player. But Mark Mosley, nineteen eighty-two, uh, did win. But I mean, look—you got William Powell, uh, almost fourteen hundred yards rushing. Andrew Harris, almost thirteen hundred. Plus, he catches a lot of passes. Bo Levi has thirty-three touchdown passes. I don't know when in Edmonton's going to want Bo Levi to win. But there are some better candidates than Lewis Ward for MOP in the CFL. So I would not vote for the kicker. I know he never misses, and that's his job, but I still wouldn't vote for him. Glenn is on the open line. Hello, Glenn. Hey, Reed. Hello.
3: Um, I'd like to debate this Hervey uh, situation with you. If you know where Hervey grew up in Compton there, which is a nasty neighborhood, um, I know Hervey a little bit. I know let Jones a little bit. I could see there being a personality clash.
1: Well, there was, I absolutely. Haven't
3: heard, I haven't heard any story. Um, now, I don't know anybody well that works in the Eskimo office, but I haven't heard anybody say there was a problem with uh, with Herbie's behavior, so I'll, I'll defer to that. The problem I'm having is that I think Len Rhodes is a very nice man, but he hired Killman. That was a disaster. If this Herbie... Situation turns out to be a disaster, which apparently it did. Okay, now Sunderland. I think I think then, Rick
1: sure hired Tillman, and Rhodes fired Tillman.
3: Okay, well I'm incorrect about that then. Um, the problem I have with uh, Sunderland is this was Herbie's team last year. They did nothing to improve it in the off season. They seem to have released a lot of players, especially Canadian players. That have ended up making an impact elsewhere. And it looks to me like some improvements that James, that Herbie, that Huffnagel, Marcel, Jardim, is it? it... Yeah.
1: Glenn, you're cutting out a little bit, but try and finish your point here.
3: Um, Yeah, I'm in a bad spot. Um, The GM just hasn't done anything to improve the team.
1: Well, fair comment. When they're eight and nine and on the on the verge of missing the playoffs, I I just think if someone takes the fall for it, it it's probably going to be Jason, given how the team was five and two and has lost a lot of games the same way. But I get your point. I'm not saying Brock is, you know, clean in this. I, I'm just saying if if somebody goes, it's most likely to be Jason. That's how I look at that. And I and I and I hear what you're saying about Ed, and I know. Uh, you know some of his story and, and where he grew up, and, and all that kind of stuff. I'm I'm just telling you what I heard. I'm not taking sides in it. I'm just telling you what I've heard.
3: See, the, the one thing I always thought was going to be a problem with the Eskimos was somebody needed to stand up to Herbie, get this face pushed back. That's not Len Rose. Or not the Len Rose I know. Um, the other situation. This is kind of a, a rude thing to say about Jason Moss because I think he's an outstanding European. Honest to God, I thought he was coaching the Blues that last game. Like it just, some of his decisions just defy logic.
1: The BC Even one, well, not yeah, un, I know,
3: unintelligent. Why would you take the ball out of Riley's hands when you need ten points?
1: Well, and he's done that twice. 20-
0: Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. hey
1: now, and that game management stuff is concerning. Glenn, good call. I got a break for the news. Call any time, okay?
3: Yeah, you better read, thanks.
0: home for breaking news and expert opinion. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chad.
2: Well, I'm going
1: to be meeting somebody very soon. Very soon the Atco Edmonton Sun Christmas Charity Auction closed half an hour ago and one of the items up for bid for the second year in a row was somebody coming in, sitting in on an episode of Inside Sports and getting some pizza from Royal Pizza. I want to thank and congratulate the high bidder. 520 bucks. Can you believe it, Kellen? That's we're gonna, awesome. We're going to have to rent tuxes. Well. We're going we're gonna to have to be <laughs> on our best behavior. Well, let's not push it there. <laughs> Both the tuxes or the best behavior? Well, best behavior. Yeah. You're okay wearing a tux. Just I, I have yeah. a
2: tux at home. Do I don't you, have we'll,
0: to rent. Oh, good. I will wear my tux.
1: That's really cool. But uh, there was, uh, I think, uh, 11 or 12 bids, and uh, thanks to whoever got that. So I will uh, meet you at some point uh, down the road. We had a young man from Grand Prairie in uh, as the winning bidder last year, and that was a lot of fun. Calgary 12, Winnipeg 3. CFL action. Four and a half minutes left in the second quarter. So far, so good for your Edmonton Eskimos. Who need Winnipeg to lose that game? In the NHL, first period, Senators up 2-0 on the Avalanche. In the third, Sharks and Hurricanes tied 3-3. Jets and Red Wings tied 1-1. And the Lightning have defeated the Golden Knights 3-2. Lightning are 7-1-1 on the season. The Golden Knights 4-5-1. Dodgers lead the Red Sox 1-0 in the middle of the fifth, Game 3 of the World Series. The Raptors lead the Mavericks 103-93 with seven minutes left in the fourth quarter. All right. Uh, Canada West hockey tonight at Claire Drake, Drake arena. I'm not going to lie to you. The website is frozen. (laughs) So that's why I'm delaying giving you that score. Uh, Sometimes that happens. So we will get that in a second and Western hockey league tonight, the Edmonton oil Kings, uh, another busy part of their schedule here. They're playing three in three. And uh, what a start for the Oil Kings tonight against the Kootenai Ice. Five minutes left in the first period. The Oil Kings are up 2-0. And I uh, still can't tell you the Golden Bears score. We'll try to do that before the end of the show. Kellen, Kellen, can you go to CanadaWest.org and see if you can get it to come up? I'll I'll see what I can do. I'm just getting a blank page. All right. Uh, Appreciate you tuning in tonight. Final weekend of racing at Northlands. It's uh, headed down to the Century Mile for racing in the spring, and I'm pleased to be joined by racing and gaming director at Northlands. It is Scott Sinclair. Scott, welcome back to the show. How are you doing? Good, Reed. How are you? I'm excited about the $520 that you got. Well, I don't get it. (laughs) 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 <laughs> <laughs> but uh that's that's uh that's pretty cool i I really, I deal, really yeah. yeah that's uh that's very humbling that that someone would want to dish that out to come spend a couple hours with me and have some pizza but we're going to make it fun for sure hey uh you know kind of uh i know i got to see you briefly today at the century mile because there was a, a media event out there too uh kind of i don't know but how, how are the emotions at northlands uh this weekend you know i know we had the last derby at Northlands a couple of months ago, and now the harness racing putting a a cap on it there once and for all.
0: Yeah, you know what? The motions are running high, of course. This is 118 years of racing history here on these very grounds that are coming to an end tomorrow afternoon. Uh, Of course, uh, Century Mile is going to be a first-class facility. Those folks out there are doing an amazing job, and uh, racing fans will have years and years of wonderful experiences there. But this is 118 years of memories that are coming to an end um all the great horses and jockeys and trainers and people basically growing up here on these grounds only minutes from downtown it's uh it's pretty sad
1: so is it there's there racing right now currently going on and then another card tomorrow afternoon
0: yeah right now we were doing our second to last card we've got about five races left tonight and then uh tomorrow at one o'clock we have 11 races uh, and of course, the big one will be of course the last one, which should go off at around four thirty tomorrow. And uh, as that last horse passes the finish line, it's the last time our horse will be running on the oval, closer to downtown. So um, it, it's really, it really is sad. Of course, for the staff, um, for all the people that have, have won races over here, we've run like something like seven, eight hundred thousand races in that time. Wow. Um, so it's years and years of history coming to an end tomorrow. But. Uh, you know what, racing's off to a good foot with Century, and we're excited to pass that torch on to them. Uh,
1: what do you have planned for tomorrow for special stuff?
0: Yeah, we got a bunch of big things happening tomorrow. Of course, it's fan appreciation, so it's our biggest one with that television, trips, and all kinds of things we're giving away tomorrow. Um, one of the big things, of course, uh, Premier Ralph Klein was a big fan of harness racing, and we have a statue here that's been dedicated to him for the last ten years at least. It's been sitting here, and we're going to actually do a special presentation to, to Century to pass that down, and they can take it down to Century Downs and. Of course, they have a big race named after him, so we're excited about that. And then, uh, and then the big race—we've we've got a bunch of dignitaries coming out, a bunch of people, longtime race fans, and and people that have been in the industry, and all get to kind of celebrate one last time and tilt a hat to to racing here in in, in downtown Edmonton and wish them well down by the airport.
1: Yeah, for sure. It, it, remind me here, Scott, what's happening with everything
0: that's there? Right? Has that been decided yet? Yeah. Well, that being said, we we've, we've done. uh a lot of the stuff is going to get auctioned off. We do have to give the keys back to the city uh, end of March. Of course, our casino is open until end of January, so tomorrow's the final day of racing, but we're open until the end of January. Then we have a couple months to liquidate everything, and of course, that will go to auction, and guests can come by, and things like that. We're, we, there's going to be a uh, a lot of the artwork around here, like 100 years of, of racing art. Uh, we're going to be doing an auction, so people can come and try to purchase that, and, and then we hand the cities back to the Hand the keys back to the city of Edmonton uh, on April first, and then uh, it's up to them what happens here.
1: Okay, so the ca- sorry, you said the casino is open until the end of January.
0: Yeah, we're still open for another few months in the casino. So okay. tomorrow is the end of racing, but that casino will thrive, and you know we got a lot going on down there. Just to kind of say goodbye, so we we increase the promotions and everything's happening right through then, right okay. through the end of January.
1: Uh, I, we were both out at Century Mile today. I mean, we I don't think people think there is, but this is not any, you know. Hostility uh, or discomfort. Uh, it look it's a pretty supportive transition here from one track to the other, and uh, you know it looks like uh, they're they're putting a lot of effort in there to make that a, a pretty a pretty modern and, and top notch facility.
0: Hundred percent. You know we've worked for Century now for the last year and a bit. Uh, a lot of our staff will actually transition down there, and then you'll see the same mutual tellers that you've seen here for the last forty fifty years, and and you'll you'll really get that same feeling of home that you had at Northlands for all you racing fans out there. Um, and yeah, you're going to a site where they're spending a lot of money at a beautiful site that track today, of course, of having horses run on that new mile racetrack that's something that's not really heard of in racing anymore, they're really concentrating on making smaller racetracks, so a mile racetrack, much better for the gambler, much better for the horse, and, and good on Century for doing that, and so we're thrilled that they're, they're taking it on and continuing the legacy back when we ran the Canadian Derby, we actually gave them the trophy, so the Canadian Derby will continue for years to come, so the you have to go next August to the 90th, running the Canadian Derby at Century Mile.
1: Right on. Hey, Scott, thanks for for checking in. I know you're busy tonight, and there's a lot going on tomorrow. So 1 o'clock tomorrow, people can drop by?
0: 1 o'clock first race tomorrow, and uh, 11 good ones, and then, of course, big one tomorrow right around 4.30.
1: Scott, I know we're going to keep in touch. Thanks for the update tonight, and uh, I, know it's a, I know it's a tough weekend, but uh, enjoy the experience nonetheless. Thanks
0: so much for having me, Reid. I appreciate it.
1: That is Scott Sinclair checking in, racing and gaming director at Northland. So uh, that is it for the old track tomorrow. Like you said, the casino will stay open until January, and then it's going to be uh, all your uh, racing, all the harness racing, all the thoroughbred racing at Century Mile. It's right down by the airport, right by Redtail Landing Golf Course. Actually, when you if you're watching from the grandstand, which is under construction, the golf course is on the other side of a fence uh, uh, across right across the other side of the racetrack so that'll be kind of interesting too i uh sat down with jeff smith this afternoon century casino's mark managing director
4: true excitement uh we are so eager to get horse racing starting here in um and then that'll begin april uh, 2019 so we'll be opening the facility april 1st 2019 and then you'll see the thoroughbreds out here running at the end of april and this
1: track is obviously a different it's a, it's a full mile track so that's going to be different than what people in edmonton are used to
4: seeing full Mile track, uh, totally different. Uh, two mile track for Throwbridge Racing is an experience. It's the only uh, a mile track uh, west of Ontario, so uh, it'll be exciting seeing the horses out here. And then and the Derby's coming out here. I know there was obviously some concern about what what might happen
1: to it, but just gives a sense of how you're able to make that happen and how important that is
4: yes yeah, so working with Northlands they have been great obviously they carried on a huge tradition of the Canadian Derby uh, and we're very happy to uh, carry that tradition on so yes Canadian Derby will happen out here at Century Mile Racetrack in August 2019
1: obviously the uh, the clubhouse is still being finished here but uh, what are some of the attractions gonna be for people who come
4: Yeah, so uh, people coming out here, we're going to have a pretty dynamic uh, gaming floor uh, offerings uh, to the public. Uh, Bars, restaurants, uh, tiered seating upstairs, wonderful views of the racetrack. Uh, In the future too, during other phases, phase two, we plan to even offer a, a sky patio overlooking the facility and the racetrack. So very exciting stuff. And the casino will be slots? Uh, yes, Yeah. so we'll open up with uh, 600 uh, slot machines, and then we'll see where we go from there. Yeah, it's going to increase the calibre. Um, for one thing, uh, just offering a mile track, and this is the second A track in uh, Alberta, uh, but just being able to offer a one-mile track uh, is going to provide just an increased competitiveness and a, and a, and a wanting to race on this surface.
1: So how do you get people out here who are used to going to a track that's been in a more central part of Edmonton, if you want to call it
4: that. Yeah, well you can make a day or weekend out of it here. Um, you know, whether uh, you live in Edmonton or anywhere in Alberta, or from, uh, for that fact, with the airport, anywhere outside of Alberta. So uh, uh, being able to offer a variety of amenities, shopping experiences, and of course the entertainment value of the horse racing, the gaming, restaurants, bars, uh, it becomes a function in itself of uh, uh, a true entertainment experience.
1: That is is Jeff Smith with Century Casinos. The new Century Mile opens up in April, and uh, Northland's racing last two cards tonight and tomorrow. It is 7.47, 95 seconds left in the first half. Calgary 12, Winnipeg 6, Inside Sports on 630 Chat.
4: This is Ryan Neeson-Hopkins from your Edmonton Oilers. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio,
2: 630 Chet.
1: Hey, there's the news. We were talking about him earlier. Oilers and Predators tomorrow on 630 Chet. 11.30 in the morning for the face-off show. Puck will drop at 1. John Ziegler has passed away, fourth president of the NHL. He was a big part of expanding the league by bringing in the four teams from the WHA. Of course, one of them, the Oilers. His 15-year tenure ended in June 1992 when he was forced out of office by owners who were unhappy with his handling of a 10-day strike over player pensions. John Ziegler passing away at the age of 84. Luckily, I, uh, I know somebody at the U of A hockey game. Golden Bears lead UBC 1-0 in the second period. The Oil Kings added another one up 3-0 over Kootenai after the first period. Oil Kings on the road. They will host Saskatoon tomorrow at 7 and then Lethbridge Sunday at 4. OilKings.ca for more ticket info. Kellen, we had that promo for a brand new show we have coming up Sunday at 8, so it'll debut after overtime open line on Sunday. Mm -hmm. Nighttime with Jordan Bonaparte, one of Canada's most popular true crime and mysteries podcast. I have heard great things about this program. As have I. So uh, that'll be fun to check that out. Now, the question is, though, will it be as good as the alien show we used to have on? You remember that one. I'll have to listen to it on Sunday The one we had, yeah, what was the the one we had overnight? Oh, Coast to Coast AM? Coast to Coast AM. Yeah. I always call it the alien show because they often talked about paranormal phenomena.
0: Well, that was their whole deal was paranormal phenomena.
1: (laughs) Phenomena. Great word. Uh, Well, I hope it's as good as the alien show. I think it will be.
2: It's, it's highly recommended by a lot of friends. I'm actually
1: going to uh, check it out on Sunday and see what I think. Good stuff. Appointment Radio right here on 630 Chet. So that'll be after our Oilers or- broadcast uh, on Sunday. We have one both days this week. What do we got? 12-6 at halftime between uh, Calgary and Winnipeg. 12-6 at the half. Stamps leading the Bombers. So, so far, so good for the Eskimos. Final NHL update of the show. The Senators up 2-0 on the avalanche after the first. Matt Duchesne has scored in his return to Colorado. Sharks and Hurricanes 3-3 late in the third. Jets up 2-1 on Detroit with seven minutes left. The Lightning beat the Golden Knights 3-2. So the Golden Knights are 4-5-1. That's good for the Oilers, a Pacific Division team losing. Top of the sixth, the Dodgers with a 1-0 lead on the Red Sox. Red Sox up 2-0 in the best-of-seven World Series. The Raptors are 6-0 for the first time in their history. A win tonight, 116-107 over the Dallas Mavericks. So the Raptors off to a uh, very good start. Very good start. Uh, Some guests on Inside Sports get gift certificates to Northern Chicken, excellent spot. Check them out online, northchickenyeg.com or at 124th Street and 107th Avenue. So the Oilers ready to go tomorrow. Miko Koskinen will be the starting goaltender. Here's head coach Todd McClellan.
0: A scenario that's going to be a challenge for him. That's a backup role and right now he's in that situation. We hope that he can play well and and earn more starts but um, he's going into an environment where it's uh, playing against a real good team. Our team hasn't had much success there and uh, we're going to try a different goaltender in that building. Hopefully we come away with a win and He's a big part of it, uh, but he's aware he's going to play. He's preparing to, and um, that's what we have him here for.
1: The Oilers winless in 13 against the Nashville Predators. I'll talk to you at 11.30 for the Face Off Show. Games at 1. Thanks to Kellen Kennedy, our studio producer. The producer of Inside Sports is Dave Campbell. The guests tonight, Scott Sinclair, Jamie Nye, Bob Stoffer. Thanks to everybody who called in and texted as well. You can always get more on the Inside Sports page on 630 chedcom Have a great weekend. Talk to you tomorrow morning. Until tomorrow, I'll just...